As you all know, this is the day the Lord has made. Thanks, Rhonda. Thanks, Dino. Today is the day the Lord has made. Thank you. Now, I want you to know, Sherry is on her way back from Arkansas where her daughters were in a debate tournament. So I need at least three or four great ameners to step in just where Sherry was, okay? So if during the service the Holy Spirit comes on you and start, you start shaking a hanky or doing something, it's my prayers coming through you, okay? Now, normally, and this wasn't even, I just had to talk to the AV guys, we rarely re-show a video, but during worship time, you know, next week is Easter Sunday. I want to encourage you to invite your neighbors, your friends, your family, some of you were here a couple months ago when I showed you this invite video. It is great. Paul, do we have that ready to go? Can we show that real quick and then I'll get started with my message. We have an opportunity to touch our, our co-workers, our classmates, our neighbors. And next week is Easter. And it truly has been proven that 80% of people who will visit for the very first time just be, came because somebody personally invited them to love them enough to say, would you like to come to church with me? So I want to encourage you this week, look for opportunities. Look for opportunities. They are everywhere around us. As that song was singing today with Hosanna, it says, open my eyes to the things that are unseen. And I was like, Lord, would you open my eyes to all the people that just need a loving word spoken, a Savior, a hug, whatever the case may be, because they're all around us. So I want to encourage you this week to bring your neighbors, co-workers, you may have to go introduce yourself to some people and invite them. Let them know that you love them. We're continuing on in a series, although this isn't the slide that we've been using in all of our series. For the last uh, two or three weeks, we've been going through kind of a series called From Zeros to Heroes. And if you remember, and they're on our website, we talked about how God used Gideon. And before that, Gideon was unknown to really to the people and how God had a plan and a purpose. After that, we had Nehemiah, and it was a really interesting sermon because it wasn't necessarily the focus on him, what he did with rebuilding the wall. It was the calling that when, when passion comes to you, and if you remember the main point from that, uh, from that whole message, was that passion will come to you. You don't go out looking for passion. And as Nehemiah was in the courtyard of the king and just going through his normal duties, that's when something stirred in his heart so heavily that didn't really disturb anyone else, but he knew that God had called him to do something. And that's in all of our lives. You'll be going through the normal routines and you'll hear about something. And you'll say, that is wrong. That shouldn't be taking place. What can I do about it? And we're not all called to do the same thing. Because if we were, then as a society, we'd have one perfect thing and everything else would be in disarray. But God calls some of you to be encouragers, some of you to be teachers, some of you to be prophets, some of you to, to just be workers, some of you to be evangelists. And we all work together as a body. So as today is Palm Sunday, this message, Palm Sunday is such a common message. And I really ask God, would you show me something new, something relevant that we can bring forth on Palm Sunday that, that the congregation may have never even looked at. What were all the elements? And, and you just go through the story. And you know that this story appears in all four Gospels. So you go through every one of them. And today I want to talk about a donkey in God's plan. It's kind of an interesting title. And it's kind of an interesting message. Now I want you to, to think about this though. 
What happens in the span of one week that takes Jesus Christ from being a worshipped hero to public enemy number one? Within one week, do you realize that? This week, they're, they're laying their coats down, they're, they're, they're laying palms down in front of them, they're yelling Hosanna to the King of Kings. And those same mouths that were proclaiming the glory of God were a week later crying out, crucify Him. So what happens in this one week? Wouldn't that be an interesting thing to kind of see and happen? And I think an answer and a key to this is going to be found with the donkey. We're going to talk about that later. You know, my encouraging message to you today is that if God can use a stinky little donkey, He's going to be able to use any of us. You cannot disqualify yourselves from what God has for the plan and purpose for your life. And we're going to go over some of the very quick passages here that relate to this donkey. And if you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to turn to the book of Matthew, and uh, chapter 21, and we're going to be going really through about verses 1 through 9. But first off, we're going to look at Matthew 21, verses 1 through 3. And let's read the word of the Lord. And when they came near Jerusalem, and they had reached Bethage... Now, also, some of your messages, and I'm going to give you a little history on this, some of it also was Bethany. You have to understand that prior to this, this is where Lazarus lived. And Lazarus was raised from the dead. Do you remember that? Pretty miraculous thing when a guy in your town has been in the tomb for four days and comes back to life. And do you remember when Jesus, when they called for him to come and he said, I'll I'll be there in a little bit. He didn't immediately go. And remember, he knew that there was going to be glory that would be brought to him because of this miracle. So you've got to realize that the people that are worshiping are the ones that knew that Lazarus was raised from the dead. They knew the power of Christ as a Messiah. So you have to kind of know a little background. Why all of a sudden did this group of people get all excited and start worshiping God like no one else has ever done? Because they saw something. They got to meet Joey who was raised from four days from the death. And everybody knows Joey, and Joey's been telling everybody. So all of a sudden, if any congregation is going to be fired up about Jesus coming into town, it's going to be this one, because Joey is living proof of what God did through Jesus Christ. So as they are reaching Bethage or Bethany on the way to the Mount of Olives, Jesus sends two disciples ahead of him. And he said to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and you will find a donkey tied there and a colt with it. Untie them... And bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, tell them that the Lord needs them, and that person will send them at once. So the question I'd like to consider with you is, how does a donkey become fit for the service of the Most High God? The most triumphal entry in Jesus' ministry is going to be taking place on a donkey. Now, have you thought about that? Because there's three things that really made this donkey prepared to be served by God to, for this day. And those same three things work in our lives. If you're taking notes, my first point is that, first off, the donkey was selected. He was selected, and we see this now in verses 4 and 5 as we read on in this passage. This happened so, that when the pro- so what the prophet had said came true. Tell the people of Zion, your king is coming to you. He's gentle, riding on a donkey, on a colt, a young pack animal. Now, what we have to understand is this. 550 years prior to this event, Zechariah, the prophet, proclaimed this. Now, you say, well, that's no big deal, Pastor. You've got to realize that when the prophet was 
prophesying that 550 years from now, Jesus would come riding in on a donkey. That God already knew about that donkey's life. He knew that he'd be set apart, that he wouldn't be ridden, he wouldn't be been used for anything in the world, he was used during this triumphal entry. And that encourages me because, you know what? The Word of God says that while he, before he even formed me in the womb, he knew me. Do you understand this? He knew you before He formed you in the womb. See, some of us are struggling with what God wants us to do, or who we really are, or what are the plans that God has for my life. A lot of situations, a lot of temptations, a lot of frustrations come into our lives. And sometimes we even say, you know what, I don't even know if there's a calling on my life. I'm going to tell you that God has called all of us to His kingdom. We are all servants of the Most High God. There is a kingdom that we will be working together in. And that starts today. I want to encourage you that no matter what Satan has been telling you, no matter what situations have, no matter what your family has told you, no matter what limitations have been put on you, there is a call, a purpose, and a reason for your life. And if you see that God thought enough about this donkey that 550 years prior prophesied it, a donkey... Think about how much more powerful His thoughts are for you. There is no junk, there is no trash in the body of Christ. There are no second class citizens. Oh, well, if I could speak like Billy Graham, or if I could do this, or if I had the worship abilities of Michael W. Smith, then I'd be used by God. God has called you and placed you for such a time as this. Now, you may not feel called, you're still called. Do you understand? There's sometimes I don't feel great, but the greater one still is inside of me. That's why I remind myself every morning, this is the day the Lord has made, and I will rejoice and be glad in it. And what that's telling my body is I am not going to come under the circumstances of situations. I am not going to come under the circumstances of how my body feels. I am not going to allow my daily schedule to overrule how God has this day planned. I put Him first, foremost, the first things before my feet hit the floor is I'm saying that. Now that works for me. You may have your own scripture, but you need to recognize God first in every day of your life. And be thankful that He's given you another day of life. No matter what situation you're going through right now, you and I could go to any one of the hospitals, walk into a room and see a situation of a young father, a young mother, whatever the situation, dying with no hope. And then all of a sudden that bill that didn't get paid or that argument that you had with a family member is going to seem like nil. But we get so self-absorbed in our lives that we don't allow God's voice to be speaking to us about the calling that He has on our life. This donkey was selected. You are selected for such a time as this. It's important that we understand this. John 15, 16 tells us, You didn't chose me, but I chose you. I have appointed you to go to produce fruit that will last and to ask the Father in my name to give you whatever you ask for. Now, I've seen that scripture twisted so much. Father, I just really feel I need a Rolls Royce. Man, that would just prove to everybody that your anointing is upon me. Man, I'll tell you, the more you spend time with God, the more your will, your wants becomes His will and His wants. And the things of this world will seem nil compared to what He wants to produce in you. The Word of God says, wise and shining like stars are those who, who produce salvation in, in others. 
And what we're looking at is our 401k and our, our checkbook and what's on our debit card right now and, and, and where am I going to live and all of these situations. And God says, man, would you just seek me with all of your heart? Would you just put away everything that is controlling your thoughts right now? And seek Him. Ephesians 2.10 also tells us this. God has made us what we are. Now, I'm going to tell you, gentlemen, before you use this in an argument with your wife, okay, I'm just going to tell you, don't go there, because we need to read the rest of it, okay? He has created us in Christ Jesus to live lives filled with good works. That's not around the house. I meant just, you know, overall. And that He has prepared us to do... Do you understand... The Scriptures are telling us over and over and over and over again that no matter what your situation is, no matter what people are saying to you right now, there is a calling on your life. There is a purpose. And you know what? If God just wants to use me, a lonely donkey, for one day of glory, then so be it, Lord. See, that's called servanthood. And we don't see that a lot in the body of Christ today. Man, we want to be the ones walking in front of Jesus saying, Look, look, look. But we don't want to be that servant that God has called for such a time as this. So it's important that we see our relationship. You see, we have not only been called to be blessed, and I truly believe that God calls His children to be blessed. And blessing doesn't always come in money. Blessing will come in having peace, joy, hope, love. We've def- we, as a society, have defined blessing as monetary. But I'll tell you what, there are a lot of rich people who are miserable. And when you spend all of your wealth on cocaine, it shows that wealth will not buy you happiness. Not only has God called us to be blessed, but He's called us to serve. Do you understand? God has called us to serve. Oh, Pastor, let's just talk about that first part. Let's go back to the blessing part. Man, I want to hear that. Man, I'll take notes and notes and notes and notes. That second part, why don't you just send me a CD on it, and I'll I'll listen to it when I get a chance. Because I'm already very busy with my wife, my family, my work, this, this, this. And you want to talk about serving God? I don't even know how to get involved. Does this sound familiar to any of you? God knows you by name and He has a plan for you to serve Him. That He's prepared. Next, I want you to notice that this donkey was also selected, was set apart. He was set apart. Now, growing up, there used to be a word that we used, it was called sanctified. You don't really hear that word much anymore and it truly means to be set apart. And it was talking about things, especially when you read about temple rituals and such, that these things were sacred. They were set apart. They were not only just used for God's purpose, they weren't used for any other purpose. Do you understand? They, there was a, a, a reverence about these because they were dedicated to God. And I find that in today's society there has been a blending of lines that, that there's no more really anything being set apart. Do you understand? We have blended so much in with the world, it's hard to define where God ends and where the world starts. And this donkey, as we read, we're going to see was set apart. It was never used for man's gain or man's work or anything else. It was prepared to be used by Jesus Christ on the most triumphal entry of His entire ministry. 
Mark 11.2 tells us this, And he said to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a young donkey tied there. No one has ever sat on it. Untie it and bring it to me. Do you realize that there was a purity in this animal? And if you've ever ridden an animal that's never been ridden before, well, well, we'll go there later. Okay. The point being, though, is this animal was set apart. And what God is asking for us to do is to set apart ourselves. Now, not to separate you from the world because we're in this world. I'm not of this world, but I'm in this world. And God has called me, and, and I get so tired when we as Christians just surround ourselves with Christians, and we just have these all-day prayer meetings, and we don't understand the pain that's going on just the next door over. Because we've never taken the time to really go meet our neighbor. We've never really taken the time to go talk to them, and really find out anything about them. And if you have problems with that, come talk to me, and I'll give you three questions that you can ask any stranger that you'll learn their whole world. But once you involve yourself in their world, you need to be praying for them. You need to be an encouragement in them. You need to be hope. You need to be light. You need to be salt. But salt comes usually after you've been light and love. Oh, we love throwing the salt on it. Well, this ought to fix them. I'm just going to give them a good bumper sticker that says a scripture and that will convict them. No, they may need to see our love before they're willing to hear the Word of God. Being set apart... There's things that God has been speaking in my life saying, Mark, you can't keep this in your life and still pursue me with as much zeal as you want to. He's got to take more of my life. And as I've been telling you, I've been praying that God would increase so that I would decrease. Now, I've lost 35 pounds. I'm not talking about that kind of decrease. I'm talking about my personality, my desires, my will, my attitudes, my prejudices. <gasps> you, pre- you know what? We all have prejudices. Have you ever really thought about that? I love people, but then there could be a situation where I'm in a certain place and all of a sudden three guys come walking up to me and I'm thinking this, this, this. And I even said, God, I just judged this whole situation. Forgive me. I've asked repentance many times in situations. And what I'm seeing is that the Holy Spirit is becoming more and more and more in my life, grieving me when I'm grieving Him. But if you ignore that voice long enough, you'll become kind of null to it. Do you understand that? I mean, there's a time where you can be so full of yourself, you don't really hear God anymore. I've had that time in my life where there was a dryness, and there was then a repentance, and there was a brokenness, and then there was a restoration. It's kind of like, have you ever had an argument with somebody you love? There are phases of an argument. Have you ever thought about that? I mean, there are times you go looking for an argument. And I'm like, no, don't do this, Mark. I'm thinking, I'm going to say it anyways. Because somebody needs to say it in this house. And then there's that song that says, see that line? You never should have crossed it. Normally that line's behind me at that point. That's when I normally have this thought. And we all know this because we're like, we should have never sent that email. We should have never written that out of anger. We didn't even pray about it. And what's happening is we're blending our self, our flesh, our spirit all into one, and there hasn't been much set apart in our lives. And God is calling us to set apart our lives for service to Him, just as this donkey did. 2 Timothy 2.21 says this, Those who stop associating with dishonorable people will be honored. But pastor, how do I do that? Everyone at my school swears. Everyone in the hallway. Most of my school is doing drugs. Most of my work 
environment is corrupt. And here you're talking about setting myself apart. That they will be set apart for the Master's use, prepared to do good things. God wants us to use our talents, our time, and our treasure for Him. He desires our first fruits. Paula, we'd like to have you over for lunch today. We have our Christmas turkey that's been in the refrigerator ever since. And we thought we'd make sandwiches. Now, would you like to come on over? It's just been January, February, March, a little bit of April. What, three and a half months? But I think the turkey is still good. Would you like to come on over for sandwiches today? Oh, okay, see, very, very politically correct. How often is what we're offering God month-old leftovers instead of something that has been created to honor? Because if I truly honored Paula, I'd say, I want you to come over for dinner today, and Kristen is going to make the best meal you've ever had in your life. Okay, And we're going to make it an event that you will never forget. Why are we doing this? Because we want to honor her. But when she comes over and she gets three and a half month old turkey with mysterious colors that you just cover up with mayonnaise, that is not honoring her. That's not lettuce on that sandwich, sweetheart. I'm just going to tell you. And how many times are we bringing God that three and a half month old turkey sandwich saying, God, here it is. This is my best. And we know it's not our best. It was our leftovers. It was what was convenient. It was somebody else's meal. Okay? Not regifting. We're refooding, okay? Oh, God, here, just take this. This was really good. I had it about a week ago and it was really good. Ministries do that. Okay? I mean, we're being honest right now. If we're going to talk about the body of Christ, we need to talk about ministries. There needs to be a fresh serving for God. Saying, God, if there is anything in my life that is displeasing to you, would you remove it today? Now? Would that season start now? Because I would not want to grieve your spirit anymore in my life. It's important that we understand being set apart because the more that we seek God, the more we'll be prepared for that time when God wants to use us. Verse 7 says this, They brought the donkey and the colt and they put their coats on him for Jesus to sit on. So the donkey's being prepared for the Lord's use. We too are being prepared. 1 Peter 3.15 tells us this, but, to, but dedicate your lives to Christ as Lord. Always be ready to defend your confidence in God when anyone asks you to explain it. However, make your defense with gentleness and respect. Do you understand? There is a time coming when part-time Christianity will no longer be an option for you. Do you understand that? You can be a great Christian on Sunday. You can be any way you want on Tuesday or Thursday or Friday. And then we start getting back into the kind of mode. And I think our times are coming to a point where that's not going to be an option. We're either going to have to be hot or cold because God is not looking for lukewarm leftovers. Do you understand? Lukewarm leftovers to me is probably worse than leftovers because you didn't even take the time to prepare something that had already been prepared. 
spending time to getting to know Lord in prayer and study of His Word, allowing the Holy Spirit to move more mightily in our lives. Finally, to be used by the Lord, the donkey, we must be willing. Third point is that the donkey must be willing. Now, as I mentioned earlier, donkeys are not known for being submissive in temperament. Notice that this donkey represents, presents himself to the Lord that has never been ridden. And like ourselves, we must present ourselves to God. 2 Timothy 2.15 tells us this, Do your best to present yourself to God as a tried and true worker who isn't ashamed to teach the word of God of truth correctly. So yes, He has chosen us. But He is not going to force us. Do you understand? When I asked Kristen to marry me, I didn't trick her into an engagement. I didn't have her sign a bunch of papers like we're buying a car and then I just slipped a proposal in there and said, well, look, you signed that you're going to marry me, so you've got to marry me. It didn't happen that way. Sometimes we come to God with that type of an attitude. All right, God, if I have to, and you make it rain tomorrow... I will pray about going into service for you. Ish. Now we laugh, but how many times are our prayers really hidden with all those little legal loopholes? Okay? And what God is saying is just give me your heart. Seek me with everything. Love me. May I become the number one thing in your life. And when you do, all the other things that you've been worrying about are going to disappear. But He has to become number one in our lives. He has to become the thing that we seek after the most. My question at the very beginning of, the, of this message was, why did the crowds change in one short week from worshiping Jesus to then crying out for His blood? Have you ever thought about that? One week, big change. I truly believe that it's because Jesus challenged their concept of a Messiah. Jesus challenged their concept of a Messiah. And religious people didn't like that. You see, if the crowds had actually been watching on Palm Sunday, they would have seen something. Tradition is, if you ride into a town on a horse... I was there to conquer. If I ride into a town on a donkey, I am there to pursue peace. What the people were waiting for was a Messiah to get them out of Roman rule. Anyone who can raise people from the dead can probably overtake the Romans. Here's this one. Remember I told you, if I ever say something smart, you might want to write it down. Here comes a very smart point. What you are waiting for is what you are living for. If you are just waiting for the baby to come, if you are just waiting to get married, if you are just waiting for college to start in the fall, when that promotion comes... When I get enough money in my retirement account, I'm going to tell you, that's what you're living for. Process this one. What are you waiting for and what are you living for right now? Because what they were waiting for was a deliverer that was going to deliver them from physical Roman rule. And what Jesus was bringing to them was a form of salvation for generations to come.
Sometimes we're waiting on such a little thing from God when He wants to do such a huge thing in our life. Oh God, if you'll just just give me a message for next Sunday, then, then that would be great. And what he's wanting to say is, Mark, I want to produce books or videos or I want you to, to reach millions. Why are you praying over this when I have to offer you this? And so many times in our lives, what we're waiting for is what we're living for. So are we waiting for the return of Christ? Because if we're waiting for the return of Christ, then all of our actions are going to then correspond to what we're living for. And we just don't hear a lot anymore about the return of Christ. It's not in our worship songs much anymore. It's not in the top ten books that are out there right now in Christian lists, okay? So what we're waiting for is what we're living for. And what the people were waiting for and living for was a Savior, a Messiah from, to get out from underneath Roman rule. So if they would have noticed the way he rode into town, they would have noticed that that was not his mission. Have you ever had a misconception that somebody let you down because what you assumed is not what they delivered? Has that ever happened? Jared and I got to have lunch the other day. Do you remember Jared? We had a great waitress. Everything that came to my table, just for me, was wrong. Do you remember this? I got witnesses now. I mean, my tea was wrong. They brought me the wrong food. Um, what, there were like two or three things that were happening. And Kristen goes, you know what, that's just testing your grace. And I'm like, it's not really bothering me that bad. I just felt bad because nothing was happening right. And I'm trying to be gracious. Like, hey, I understand, but I didn't order this food. You know, I mean, it, was not, it, was not a, this, it wasn't like the wrong vegetables. The whole plate was wrong. So somebody else must have had my food. You know, and I'm thinking, okay, be grace, be mercy here. But have you ever had that expectation from someone and everything that they delivered in your life was wrong? Well, here, this is why the people got mad at Jesus. You were supposed to kick the Romans out of our lives. And all of a sudden, you just start talking about love and servanthood and a new kingdom that's not of this world. Let's go back to the Roman thing because we understand that. We want those Romans. I hate those Romans. You know what I mean? That's what was in their heart. And that's why when they didn't deliver, then all of a sudden, they turned on him. And now it's, well, kill the bum. That's really what they were saying. Crucify him. We're so mad we could spit. And unfortunately they did. But it was because they had the wrong misconception of why he was riding into the town. Jesus used a donkey to send a message. Jesus wants to use you to send a message. Do you understand? Yeah, I just called some of you donkeys. Alright? But He wants to use us. And in spite of the importance of the donkey's role to fulfill prophecy, He still filled His part. See, the role of the donkey was to lift Jesus up so that Jesus could be seen by the crowds. Maybe that's the role we're to do today. To lift Jesus up in a way that He's seen by the crowds. Matthew 21, verses 8 and 9, as we're finishing out that passage, says, Most of the people spread their coats on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Verse 9, The crowd that went ahead of him and that followed him was shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. You see, we have a similar role in God's plan. Not to be exalted, 
but to be used by Christ who needs to be exalted. Do you understand? Because so many times, while we're being used, we want to be exalted. We want to be recognized. And that's not what God's looking for. Paul wrote in Galatians 6.14, my last passage as I'm closing up, says, But it's unthinkable that I could ever brag about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And by His cross, my relationship to the world and its relationship to me has been crucified. Do you understand that the man who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament was saying, it's not about me, it's about Christ? Do you understand? And until your resume beats that, I really don't think we have any place to even compete with that that comment. It's not me, it's Christ. It's not me, it's Christ. When something good happens in my life, it's not me, it's Christ. Do you understand? When anybody praises me, I turn the praise to Christ. When anybody starts complimenting me, I say it's because Christ through me was able to do this. This is the lifestyle that we as a body need to live. It's not about us, it's about Christ through us, the hope of glory. And when we start taking the praise... Do you think that the donkey, as he's going down the road and everybody's worshiping, is thinking, yeah, I must look pretty good. Have you ever just thought about that? That maybe that donkey was taking a little bit of the praise. Maybe his little big old ears were straight out thinking, I could do this every day. This is great. People are now appreciating me. And it wasn't really about the donkey. It was about a Savior that was coming on that donkey. And guess what? When we're being used, it's not about us. It's about the Savior that's using us for the kingdom of God that we will understand one day. You see, donkeys aren't really that great. They're stubborn. They're smelly. They're small. They're not able to do much. Wait a second. Does that, except for the smelly part, sound like you? Have you ever thought, you know what, I'm just not, I'm not that great. I don't do anything that well to be used by God. That is a thought from the enemy. Because when you realize what Christ did for your salvation and who dwells in you, the greater one that dwells in you, it's not about you, it's about Christ in you. Y'all getting this? It's important that we understand. See, Christ could have used a white stallion to come into town. I said, you know what? I just really deserve this, God. Just a little bit of first-class living. You know, I know what's going to happen next week. I'd really like that. Oh, you know what would be better, God? A camel. I saw one with all this purple velvet, and it had the coolest ropes that came back. God, could I use that to ride in? Because everybody loves a camel, especially a velvet-covered camel. Right? Have we ever had those thoughts? You know, God, I'll do this, but wouldn't it be great that if my first church could have, um, I'm just going to guess a thousand people, and a full worship team. That would be great, God. And you know, he says, Mark, start a church in your house and invite your family and just see what happens after that. Really, God? That, that's the way you want me to start? What about the thousand thing? Is that, is that too hard to ask or what? That wasn't God's plan. Do you understand? Never despise small beginnings. We've been selected. 
We've been set apart. Whether you realize it or not, we've been set apart. We are willing. Because those of you who come every week, you hear a message of us getting prepared for God to use us. So you must be willing because you keep coming back. Right? To say, you know what? I want to be challenged. I don't want to just maintain. I want to grow in God. And I want something that's going to encourage me that when I don't feel my greatest, I know that God still loves me. That God can still use me. And even maybe in my weakness, He will become stronger. Maybe. But I'm going to go next Sunday and just hear what Pastor Mark says. Maybe if He can convince me a little bit more, then I'm going to say that prayer. God, here I am. All of me. All my faults, all my failures, everything God... And as I stand before you, I am of filthy rags. But because your son died on a cross for me, I have become righteous. That I can cry out and call out to you as Abba Father. These are prayers that I have when I go walking. And if you live in my neighborhood, don't be surprised if you see me walking like this. I don't care anymore. You know what I mean? They can't kick me out of my house, right? Now, if you live in an apartment complex, let's talk. But you know what? They can't kick me out of my house. So I'll walk and I'm praying and I'm touching my mailboxes and I'm praying over the mailboxes. Because God has placed me there for a reason and I understand that. Today, I want to give you an opportunity to make the very most important decision you will ever make in your life. Not whether you want eternal life, because you were born with that already. It's how you're going to spend the rest of your life. Because I can guarantee you this, one day everyone in here will breathe their last breath. And God knows that day. And where you go from there is what we're talking about right now. And it may not just be for this congregation, maybe anyone who's listening to this message over the internet. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. God loves you so much that He gave the most valuable thing in heaven, His Son. Do you realize how much you would have to love something to sacrifice a family member? We couldn't even fathom that. That's how much God loved us. You see, because on our own, our righteousness was not good enough. Our works were not going to get us into heaven. Just because our parents were involved in church was not going to buy you an all-day pass into heaven. Do you understand? And it only comes through a relationship with Jesus Christ. It is only through surrendering yourself and recognizing that not only is He your Savior, He's your Lord. See, we love the Savior part. Yeah, I don't want to go to hell. I want to get out of hell card. Could you even print one up for me, Pastor, you know, saying, yeah, I did pray this. I don't want to go to hell. But what's, what about Lordship? Because Lordship means you are no longer in control of your little kingdom. In fact, what happened is your little kingdom just got merged into a bigger kingdom. And you are no longer CEO of your kingdom. You may just now be a donkey being ready to be used when God wants you to be used. That's surrendering your life completely to Christ. I'd like to lead you in a very simple prayer. So with all heads bowed and all eyes closed, I'd like to give you an opportunity to say the most important prayer you will ever say in your life. And it's not a prayer of where am I going to go to college or when am I going to get a promotion? Who do you have picked out for me as my mate, Lord? Although those are very important decisions, this is going to define your character. That will help you make every other decision. A cornerstone question. 
And I'd like for everyone to just say this with me. Would you repeat with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins and rose from the grave to give me life. Please forgive me. Change my life. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. I now confess Jesus Christ as my Savior and I am saved. Amen. Now, if you said that, that is the beginning of a new relationship with Jesus Christ. Will it be perfect? No. Will the enemy attack you? Yes. Will there be times that you'll fall back into your old ways? Yes. But if you have the right people surrounding you, encouraging you, if you're spending time in the Word, if you're worshiping, if you're replacing that CD collection that you've got with some great worship music, all of a sudden you're going to realize that, yes, you fall down, but you get up really fast. And you're going to see other people fall. And instead of mocking them, you're going to start praying for them. And all of a sudden your thoughts are going to start changing. In fact, I've told you this many times, when you say that prayer and you mean it, I've ruined you for sin. Because I pray that the things that used to be addicted to you now will have no desire. I've seen that happen so many times when people have received Jesus Christ. The things that used to be addictive in their life has now repulsed them. And that's what I pray. Because God has better things for you. Better things. And these things don't wear off like a hangover in the morning. Do you understand? I'd like to pray with you and speak a blessing over you as we close. So would you all please stand? I want to remind you of that video that we showed. 80% of people that said that they've come to church was because somebody took the time to invite them. How much do you love people to invite them to church? How much do you love a person to invite them to church? According to God's Word, may the Lord bless you and protect you and may the Lord smile upon you and be gracious to you and may the Lord show you His favor and give you His peace. So go in His peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you guys. Thanks for coming. We love you. Have a great week.